Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to tell you about a new emergent mastermind that I'm looking for a few select like-minded people for me to work with. So I don't know if you know this about me, perhaps you do, because I mentioned it, um, not so subtly on the podcast, but I've been on quite an internal journey over the last few years. And to be honest, I've changed in more ways in the last three years than I have in the preceding 30 combined. And now that I'm learning more about myself and more about spirituality, it all really is coming together and makes sense. But the problem, um, I guess you could say, or what I'm experiencing now is that the path as I continue further along is getting lonelier and lonelier. And what I mean is the path to an unconventional life. And I don't mind that so much because I do like my alone time. However, when I find myself considering doing things that most would consider crazy, like putting my own house on Airbnb, then that's when I find it to be a rather daunting place to be. So What I came up with and what I've realized when I have been exposed to the fact that I think that there are other people out there like me who are considering unconventional living, but are um, scared to take a step out of the box where where they are. So I'm putting together an immersion, what I'm calling an immersion mastermind, where it'll be eight weeks of meetings with both mastermind type of group virtual workshops where basically we all come together and admit our crazy dreams and our ideas for unconventional life, whether that be in life or business or entrepreneurship. And then we develop a path together to get there and to overcome obstacles. And the wonderful thing about a mastermind is that people will come in from all walks of life and we have the ability to help each other solve problems that maybe the other one is already encountered. So I want to create this container where we will coach and plan and execute these ideas that we have for unconventional life. And this is you, if you're feeling like a yearning that there's more out there, but your logical side is adding like endless reasons for you not to pursue something. And despite that logic, you can't help yourself, but constantly be thinking about what your future could be like if only you could step out of your comfort zone. After eight weeks, the goal will be a clear and actionable one-year implementation plan for your dreams. You will feel completely understood in your unconventional desires. You'll have the completion of a monetization program in whatever way that means for you, in whatever way that would provide you some freedom. And you'll have the confidence to commit to it once and for all. So if this is giving you all the feels, if you're like scream, if your gut is telling you like, hell yes, this is me, then I want you to send me an email at kyates21 at gmail.com or send me a message on Instagram at kristinyatesdo. And if you're listening to this, when this podcast comes out, it's going to be only about a week that I'm going to be collecting people for this group. So don't hesitate. If this is you, take action now, take action on your dreams. All right, let's get into this episode. Dr. Marie Kanaji McKellies is a board-certified pediatrician and director of the Pediatric Hospitalist Program at the University of Maryland. She recently became very interested in lifestyle medicine and the importance of good nutrition, 
Her goal is to provide evidence-based information on diet and other lifestyle choices and how these impact our health. She is a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and working towards board certification in lifestyle medicine. She also has a certificate in the Culinary Health Education Fundamentals Coaching at Harvard. Enjoy our conversation. Marie, thank you for being with me today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So tell me what comes up for you when I mention the term imposter syndrome. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's interesting. Um, There's so much talk about imposter syndrome right now with female physicians. And uh, it's definitely a major issue that, that needs to be discussed. I kind of feel like I've had imposter syndrome in so many areas of my life. I mean, well before Um, I decided to go to medical school and, you know, as a kid, I kind of feel like I never really fit in um, because in middle school I was teased and, um, you know, I, uh, I had a kind of a hard time um, really feeling like I, I fit in with other kids. I was maybe a little bit quirky and dorky and everything. (laughs) Uh, And then, um, When I was 19, I uh, had my twin daughters. And so as a single mom and a full-time college student, I really didn't feel like I fit in with anybody then either. I didn't fit in with the typical college students. I didn't fit in with other moms uh, who were mostly older than me and just in a different place in their lives. I didn't decide to go to medical school until uh, my daughters were a couple years old. And it was actually their pediatrician who really encouraged me. And I came from a very middle-class blue collar family. My generation is the first generation to go to college and something like going to medical school was never previously on my radar. And I just thought, what in the world is this woman thinking that as a single mom (laughs) that I could actually go to medical school? I mean, this is just, this doesn't make any sense, but it was just something that really stuck. I was trying to decide what to do with myself. And, you know, I think when you become a parent, you really, your whole perspective changes and trying to decide what I was going to do I just kept coming back to this idea of medical school. I've always loved children and always wanted to work with kids. And I don't know, the the idea just grew, but I was so afraid to tell people that I was going to try to get into medical school, that people were going to tell me I was crazy, that there's no way I can do it. And I mean, luckily I had an extremely supportive family Um, Both of my parents were really very surprised, but very supportive and really helped me out along the way. And so I applied and got accepted to one school. (laughs) Uh, That's all all you need. (laughs) (laughs) And I was, it took me a few years to, um, to, to actually get in. So I was a little bit older than the typical medical student and imposter syndrome really kind of reared its head when I was in medical school. In the beginning, 
I really felt like I didn't fit in at all. And I had nothing in common with other students who were mostly very traditional. You know, so many people come from families with a lot of physicians and I didn't have that. Um, But I made a, a really good core group of friends. So the first two years of medical school turned out to be not, not too bad. And I mean, sitting in lectures, taking exams, that's kind of what I'm good at. So, you know, that was just an extension, almost like an extension of college. But my rotations in third and fourth year were very challenging. I felt pulled in a million different directions. Uh, I felt like there were so many unrealistic expectations. And I really didn't feel like I could give 100% of myself as a parent. I didn't feel like I could give 100% of myself uh, as a medical student. And you're just kind of slogging through trying to do the best you can every day. You know, you're just trying to get through it. Um, but medical school was really tough. I, I really was not at all sorry that it was over. <laughs> it was very challenging. Residency actually wound up being a lot easier for me. I went to a small pediatric residency program. There were only six of us each year. And I think that camaraderie really helped. We really were able to connect. And here's, you know, this group of, of residents were, were together so much, even doing all of my different rotations, we're still doing call in the same relatively small hospital on the same pediatric unit. Um, and, and I feel like that connection with other people who are going through the same thing that you're going through is so important. And that really helped. So in, in residency, I, it was still a struggle. It was very difficult because my daughters were getting older and, you know, the kids just, they were starting to understand why I was doing what I was doing. And, um, but still, you know, they want mom around. So, uh, residency wasn't, wasn't easy, but, um, I felt like it was definitely easier to get through than medical school was. I started my, uh, first job out of residency as a pediatric hospitalist, still where I am today. I've been there for 15 years. That was not my plan, but (laughs) I actually wound up liking it a lot more than I expected. And, uh, they, invited me into leadership there. And again, that's another spot where imposter syndrome was really very, very strong for me. Sitting at the table with all of these people who had been there for years and been in leadership for years. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I can't open my mouth. I'm going to say something and they're going to know. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't know how to, you know, discuss all these hospital administrative issues and come up with plans. You know, it's, it's not rocket science. It really isn't, but it's really easy to tell yourself Mm -hmm. that you don't know what you're doing. You don't know as much as they do. I've always uh, looked younger than I am as well. So I think that kind of really affected things too. I mean, I remember being in residency and the parents of my patients saying, I don't look old enough to be a doctor. So that, that makes it a little bit difficult. And I, I sort of always had 
that idea in the back of my head that I, I don't look professional enough. I don't look mature enough. I don't portray that sort of attitude that I belong there and I know what I'm doing. Over time, since I have been there for so long, um, I think that it's become much easier for me. And, you know, you sort of get into the routine of what you're doing. You feel a lot more confident. You have people that all that you work with and that support you. So I think that has really helped. So I haven't in my current job really struggled um, for a long time, but now I'm looking at trying to start a business. And I became interested in lifestyle medicine in January of 2020. And when I learned about it, it was, it was almost like that realization when I decided to go to medical school because med school was something that seemed at the time when I first started thinking about it, it seemed unattainable, but it was so persistent and I just couldn't let it go. It was almost like I was compelled to move forward and do that. And when I learned about lifestyle medicine and how I can apply these kind of um, practices and behaviors in my own life. How do people not know this? How are, how does the American public, you know, they're not aware of so many, they're in so much control of their own health. I really felt like I need to do something where I can try to educate people, work with people to discover what their own motivators are and what areas they actually want to make change in, not what I want them to make change in. Um, and to really kind of help work through them, with them to be able to get to the point that they want to be at. And I, I think it's really exciting, but I've had so many thoughts that I don't, I don't know how to be an entrepreneur. I've been an employee my whole entire life. What do I know about running a business? What do I know about getting and retaining clients? You know, how, how do I do marketing? All of these things, it's, it's really kind of overwhelming and makes me have all of these, those self-limiting thoughts and beliefs, you know, really become a huge roadblock for me to kind of be able to, to work past and figure out what the next step is. But I feel like I'm compelled to do it. So I'm just putting one step in front of the other and taking each day as it comes. I thank you for telling your story. I have so I took some notes on what you said. I think there are so many really good points here that I want to talk a little bit more about. So the first one is the the thought um, I never really fit in, and I think that sound that was something that was kind of a theme throughout mm -hmm. your your life. And I think a lot of people feel this way. I think a lot of us tend to be the more nerdy ones, maybe. I mean, there are some maybe of the cool kids who end up being doctors, but I certainly wasn't one of them. So I think many of us feel that way. Like I don't really fit in in some aspect. And I just want to bring this up because I think it's so fascinating that so many of us me make that mean that we don't belong. So we make, we make the thought, I don't fit in here. I'm different mean that that means I don't belong here. Instead of, I think a great shift, especially where, like how we're living in this world now, where we need all kinds of people. So 
in what I would think would be amazing shift for everybody is to walk into a room or walk into some place and have the feeling of, I don't fit in and make them realize then that that means that that's exactly where they belong. Because if they feel different, if they feel like an outsider, then that means that's exactly the room they need to be in. I agree. There is a big difference between fitting in and belonging. And I'll be honest, I didn't come to that realization until maybe within the past two years. Mm -hmm. I have had that persistent feeling of not fitting in for so long. And I realized I'm not going to find somebody who's just like me. Right. But, you know, we're all different. We are all unique in our own special way. And we all have our own strengths that we bring to the table. And so if we were all alike and we all fit in with each other, then the world would be a really boring place. Mm -hmm. And I have so many strengths and talents that other people don't have and that I can really utilize to try to help people. Um, So that concept of, of belonging, I think, and, you know, those times where when I was in my first two years of medical school and I had a really good group of female med student friends. And then when I was in residency and I had a, this group of residents that we all connected with, that's the same thing. None of us were the same. We all came from different backgrounds. We all had different goals, but we all accepted each other and we all had that sense of belonging, even if we didn't kind of exactly fit in with each other because we're all so different. Mm -hmm. So that is a really important concept. And I think that when people are feeling that kind of frustration, feeling like they don't fit in, that's something you just have to keep telling yourself that you belong there. You absolutely deserve to be at that table, speaking up, contributing what you have that somebody else doesn't have. Yeah. And I think it is important to recognize that for some people, certainly there are external factors that are telling them that they don't belong. So there's one aspect of them internally saying, I don't fit in, but then there are external forces, people, whatever, that actually tell them that they don't belong. And I think that unfortunately those circumstances exist and that, you know, people like you out there realizing that diversity in all, in all its forms can really make a huge difference. And then making sure that we become an ally for those and be a voice for those people who are being silenced in, in a variety of ways and told that they don't belong somewhere where they 100% do. Yes, I completely agree. I I think that we really need to, having the conversation is really important because when you don't talk about it and you don't hear other people talking about it and you feel isolated, then you start to feel like you're alone and this is a struggle that you have to go through alone. And then that contributes to that feeling of imposter syndrome where you can't speak up because then people are going to think there's something wrong with you. And this is universal. Mm -hmm. You know, we all feel this at one time or another. And being able to talk about it is, I really think, is the key to um, being able to, to take the steps to overcome it. Yeah, 100%. All right. So the next thing I wrote down is fear. And I think it's important to highlight this because um, imposter syndrome is basically just a fancy 
form of fear. It's fear dressed up in other, in another outfit. I'd like to think of it. And imposter syndrome as just like you said, is just a normal part of being human. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you, but really why we have imposter, why we have those feelings of imposter syndrome is because we're scared of something. We're scared of judgment or humiliation or failure or not being enough. It's a big, it's a big one. And I think it's important to recognize that all it is, is fear. And yet it's a fear that doesn't really make sense because our brains, of course, are, their job is to keep us alive and safe. And it uses fear as a tactic for that. Right. And then what happens is that we have social fears that can't kill us <laughs> that can make us feel like we're going to die, but they can't kill us. But we have this irrational fear, but it doesn't just come up as fear. It comes up as self-doubt, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, people pleasing, right. In all these little fancy ways, but really to at its core, it's a fear and it's an irrational fear based in our brain's need for safety. Yeah. Fear is definitely a theme that I've had in life. I think that I've always been a risk averse person. Um, and I actually started doing some coaching earlier this year, which is just transformative and having somebody, you know, I sit and I just talk about things that pop in my head and then they identify and they say, you keep talking about fear. You keep talking about how afraid you are of making a mistake or doing something wrong or not being successful. You know, maybe reframe your definition of fear or reframe your definition of success. You know, like, what does it mean to be successful? Does it, does it matter that things do or do not work out exactly the way I have them planned in my head? I mean, we don't have control over any of those things. So, um, you know, if I, if I feel like there's something that I need to do, then I need to do it and not sit and ruminate on all the things that can go wrong and how can I make mistakes and when am I going to make mistakes? Cause that's really mm -hmm. what it is. It's when am I going to make the mistake? When is it, that going to happen? Um, I, I just think that really kind of working through all those limiting beliefs. The other thing that I also was sort of, I guess, uh, was brought to my attention during the coaching was how often I attach qualifiers to all of my achievements, mm -hmm. downplaying all of these things, yep. saying, you know, I graduated valedictorian from high school, but I didn't go to a really academically challenging school. I went to a Votech school, which was a wonderful school. And I had opportunities there that I wouldn't have in other schools. It was a, it was really a, a great school for me, but it was a Votech school with a college prep program. And so I say, well, you know, if I had gone to a different school, I might not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. You know, I, I graduated valedictorian, so I should be proud of that. And, you know, I think, you know, of I got into medical school. I got into medical school as a single mom, 
And I was very with twins. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's um, add that in there. <laughs> but then I think about all the people, you know, the people that helped me, the people that gave me assistance. Well, yeah. we're all supposed to help each other. Mm-hmm. None of us can do anything on our own. I mean, we we all exist. We couldn't exist as a as a species if we didn't work together right. to to help take care of each other. So it's okay that we help each other out, and it's okay that somebody has helped you. You can still, you can be appreciative of that and still recognize all the hard work that you did um, to to get to the place where you are and all the achievements that you've accomplished. Exactly. That's a really great point. Thank you for bringing that up because I think that's a really common theme for many people. Okay. And the the last thing that I wanted to talk about is that imposter syndrome keeps coming up, right? These thoughts, these feelings of self-doubt and, um, like you're going to mess up or don't, or not, you're doing something wrong, um, comes, comes up and it comes up many times in transitions and when we're trying new things. So this new venture that you have with your entrepreneurship is so exciting. And of course there is imposter syndrome there. And what I love now, how I have reframed this imposter syndrome is that it's a normal part of my brain, which I love telling myself that because it makes me feel like I'm not having some weird, you know, experience that I didn't be having. And then it's almost as if I am grateful for it because it means that, that I'm growing and I'm having, I am allowing myself this, this discomfort and what that means for my personal growth, which means that I'm allowing myself to continue to try new things and to, um, not feel stuck and to, you know, always be a learner. And I think especially for doctors, we, most of us just love learning. So I think that for us to assume that's that one day we're going to have this dream career and just sits coast on for the 30 years, that's never going to happen. I mean, for a lot of us, that's never going to happen. That's never going to bring us fulfillment. And I think just recognizing that, and then just kind of bringing on your buddy of imposter syndrome and, and, and making it kind of like as your um, compass to say, okay, this doesn't make me feel that uncomfortable. Probably not enough growth. This makes me feel super uncomfortable. This is where I need to go. And it's almost like it's, it's the doorway. It's not the um, wall, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's a really great way to look at it. I think that that can be so useful when you you kind of reframe what you perceive to be as negative into something that's actually really positive for yourself. Yeah. Um, and you know, that thought of, you know, always growing, I mean, that's actually kind of reassuring to me. You know, I guess we all sort of, when we're younger, we think there's this point, there's that mm. one place that we're going to get to as an adult and it's all going to be figured out. Everything's going to come together and that's just where we are. And that's what we, we think towards, and, and I think for a lot of people, they feel like they're failures because they don't ever get to that point. And mm-hmm. actually that doesn't ever happen. And it's a good thing because then we have the entire rest of our lives to learn new things and experience new things and, and try new things. I think that that's actually much more exciting than kind of sitting stagnantly for several decades doing the same thing over and over again. Um, right. But to remember that, okay, you know, yeah, this makes me feel uncomfortable, but this is such a great opportunity for me to learn new things and, and grow as a person and really kind of help maybe to, to 
quash that fear a little bit and, and say, yeah, you know, I, I feel, I feel a little scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that fear, but do it scared, right? Do it scared. And I think that that's, that's right. Like we so often, so many of us use fear as a reason to not do something. It means we feel scared. So it means we shouldn't do it. When in fact, we place the wrong meaning on fear. Fear means that that's the right direction. And I think when we can make that shift, our lives kind of open up for us and really blossom. And that's the definition of bravery, really. Yeah. I mean, bravery is not doing things without fear. It's having fear and doing things anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what being brave is really about. Yeah. I love that. I love ending on that. So Marie, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that you were, you wanted to say before we end here today? You know, I just would encourage people who are experiencing um, imposter syndrome and, and really struggling with that. I think, you know, mindfulness has been so helpful to me and uh, I really um, I, I really recommend people trying to work on um, doing some self-compassion techniques that can be so helpful because, you know, once you, once you love yourself and you see the value in yourself and all of those other opinions don't really matter as much, they're still mm-hmm. there, but you can still kind of work through that and, and be the person that you feel like you're meant to be. Thank you. That's a really good point. I really like that. I think I can definitely second that because that was really kind of the first step I had to take in order to get to the place where I'm at now with confidence and feeling, you know, unburdened by imposter syndrome. It has to start with with self-compassion. So thank you for saying that. Well, thank you so much. I really had a great time. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks. You too.